In Your Element is made just for you, the listener. If you enjoy the podcast, consider visiting patreon.com slash inyourelement and supporting at the $1 level or above to receive all future episodes early and ad-free. Gain a Patreon-exclusive role in the In Your Element Discord server, where you can hang out and chat with myself and other elementalists, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. Now, on to the show. Welcome to episode 22 of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. Today, I've invited my guest, Eric Manning, back to chat about some indie games. Eric, how have you been lately? Been very good. I'm here. Get to talk about some indie games, some of my favorite stuff. So I'm doing real good. Awesome, man. I'm glad to have you back on the show. What have you been yeah. playing lately? Uh, some uh, major Enter the Gungeon, which we'll nice. get into later. So super excited about that. Yeah. Um, been playing a lot of the, well, getting into some of the Messenger when I'm not playing um, Enter the Gungeon and um i've actually been playing um ios games a lot right now well not a lot okay. there's one game specifically i've been playing clash of clash royale i play oh, that man. with my brother right now and it, it's pretty fun i got back into it after not playing it for a long time yeah um i hate it because i want to spend money so bad on that game oh i know <laughs> i gave up on mobile games a while ago i feel like honestly when i got the switch i stopped playing mobile games just because i felt like that kind of occupied the same time frame that i would be yeah. playing those games but i used That's to be exactly so how I feel. Games. yeah i feel the same way and honestly the only reason i'm playing this game really is because i am playing with my brother um right. when we see each other and stuff and so we're kind of compete well he doesn't know this but we're kind of competing to who's going to be a top level and well he's destroying me so <laughs> hopefully he doesn't listen to this one because he'll call me up and make fun of me oh man <laughs> and he's my younger brother at that so it's the worst oh yeah you gotta beat him for sure man you can't let him win <laughs> oh boy um you've also got the anthem beta coming up this friday right i do yeah i'm really excited for that so actually tonight um i'm going to be downloading the beta so depending on when the listeners hear uh mm -hmm. they might think they might already be playing it but yeah um yeah so Dow, um, beta will launch uh, the 25th, so mm -hmm. I will uh, be playing it. I'm super excited for it. Already kind of figuring out which character I'm going to start off with. Um, so Nice. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. awesome, man. Are, I'm, are you uh, getting it? I am very likely going to be getting it. I'm still um, I'm still holding out. Uh, I, but I feel like I'm in a cave. I mean, the game looks amazing. It really does. I just, mm -hmm. I, I'm so, the only part that's got me a little hesitant is EA and just their track record with uh, some of the recent big games that they put out. Okay. Um, but this is, it's it's a Bioware game. So, I mean, Bioware generally has a very good track record. Um, so yeah. I don't really know how much influence uh, EA's really got over that for from the publishing aspect, but we'll see. I mean, I, I really do have no doubt the game's going to be successful yeah uh, it i looks just incredible it, it really does i i've i've stayed relatively uh quiet in terms of the the footage that they've got out i know ign's got a some first plays i watched a couple mm. of them but i'm i'm kind of trying to stay on like a little bit of a blackout on that game just to be surprised if i do jump in and mm -hmm. then not be so disappointed if it ends up being like a, you know kind of a steaming piece of shit but i doubt it <laughs> i think i think it's safe to say the game's gonna be good um yeah it looks I, great 
yeah, I'm itching for a game like that since uh, since I stopped playing Destiny. So I'm I'm kind of ready to get back into like a big, you know, shared world shooter like that. So right, yeah, I'm ready for something a little different. I just got through. Um, I haven't finished Red Dead Redemption, but I'm getting through that kind of slowly. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm looking just for another game that I can play online. Mm-hmm. And th- I feel like this might be a, a great place or a great time for it. Yeah, so we'll see. Red Dead Redemption Online is kind of disappointing me a little bit. So that's Same. I think that's what's hyping me up for this game too much or so yeah. much. Yeah, I'm ready for a game I can play online with my friends. So we'll see. Yeah, I know. I was a I was I had high hopes for Red Dead Online and I I, I truly think it'll come around eventually. But um, yeah. Grand Theft Auto wasn't perfect online when it first launched either. It took them kind of a, a couple years to get their footing with that and then now it's it's a juggernaut in terms of the content that's available so right i think we'll see something similar for red dead but i mentioned on a previous episode i don't know how far away from the western theme they can really go without mm-hmm. it being too weird you know so i think yeah. they're a, a little limited on the kind of content that they really can put into that game yeah uh, well would be you know they've surprised us in the past especially with what they've brought to grand theft auto so we'll yeah see. My yeah. my objective is I'm going to play Anthem. I'm going to try to enjoy Anthem because I paid money for it. <laughs> and then uh, when I'm done with it, my friends and I will probably go back to um, Red Dead just to kind of see yeah. the changes they've made. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. Cool, man. Uh, I've been playing uh, the Spyro Reignited Trilogy recently. Really? Uh, did you play the Spyro games growing up on PlayStation? Oh my gosh, I love the Spyro games. Dude, I forgot how much I love them. I know that I have a, a, a warm place in my heart for Spyro the Dragon, but mm-hmm. it wasn't until I really, I just finished the first game, so I'm like on to Ripto's uh, Rips, the second game. That was my favorite one. Yeah, uh, they're so good, man. And they're and suck. they're just, I, I, I posted something earlier this week that just said uh. Spyro the Dragon uh especially this reignited trilogy is like the comfort food of gaming for me like you throw on a podcast throw on some music or whatever you don't really need to pay attention to what's happening like you can Uh kind of zone out and play that game at the same time it's not (laughs) too difficult um but it's just i i don't know i have some some uh obsession with those collectathon kind of games so it's so good how how satisfying is it for you when you start to fly a spyro it feels so good. It feels just right? like you remember it too. And like the flames feel just as good. They nailed the the remake on this one for sure. Like just uh, how I got to come how, over and play it. Oh, yeah. Just because you, you got the Crash Trilogy on Switch, right? Yeah. So just how good that feels. Imagine that, but apply it to Spyro. It's really uh, that sounds so satisfying. Yeah, it was uh, it's it's good. So I'm playing through that right now um kind of just in limbo right now until resident evil comes out on friday um and then of course kingdom hearts coming out at the end of the month so i'm not trying to start anything too big so Uh it's been a good time to kind of sink my teeth into that as well as some indie games which we'll get to in a little bit so yeah uh, before we begin i'd like to take a moment to let you know where you can find in your element online my website is in your element podcast.com uh find me on instagram at in your element podcast on Twitter at IYE podcast. And if you have any gaming related questions that you'd like me to answer, email me at hello at in your element podcast.com. And I will answer your questions on the next episode of in your element. Um, so early this morning for uh, very early for us, uh, it was 6am that it went up. Nintendo UK posted their video for the January indie highlights presentation. 
And during the 16-minute video, they showcased nine new indie games that will be arriving on Nintendo Switch during 2019. Uh, I wrote up a full recap piece that is published now on mammothgamers.com. So if you're interested in a bit more detail about the games, go check that article out. I'll link it in the episode description. Um, but the games that they showed off today were, uh, the first one was Wargroove, which is a tactics-based combat game. And that is coming out very shortly on February 1st. Looks very good. Double Kick Heroes is uh, described as a metal rhythm shooter. And that's going to be coming out this summer. When Ski Lifts Go Wrong is a physics-based construction puzzler. That is quite a mouthful for a genre. Um, that is available right now. So if you are interested in that, you can download that right this minute. Uh, they showed off a game called Forager, which is a 2D open world base builder slash dungeon crawler. That's going to be coming soon. Uh, I saw something online that looks like it's going to be early February, even though they didn't say this specific date during the direct. Uh, and then they showed off Goat Simulator, the Goatee, um, which is a sandbox physics game. Um, it's available now, and that includes all the DLC. Uh, they showed off a, a game that looks very interesting called Inmost, which is an atmospheric 2D puzzle platformer that will release later this year on Nintendo Switch. They showed off Unruly Heroes, which is a 2D co-op action puzzle platformer, which is also available now. Uh, another game that is very hyped um, called CrossCode, which is a 2D action RPG that'll be available later this year. And then finally, they ended with SteamWorld Quest, Hand of Gilgamesh, which is a 2D card battle adventure. And that is also available later this year on Nintendo Switch. So Eric, I know you got a chance to check out the Indie Highlights Showcase early this morning as well. What are your overall thoughts on the presentation from today? So overall thoughts, I actually was a little disappointed from what I saw um, indie highlights wise. Yeah, uh, I definitely think that there were some things here that um, like sparked my interest. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was kind of hoping for something more. I was hoping for something like something big, almost like Octopath or something like that. Not not Octopath itself, but you you understand what I mean, like a game that's right. like um on the level of Octopath, let's say. So granted, yeah. I haven't played any of these games yet, so let's see. Um, I, I'm I'll play a few and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I definitely wasn't excited about what I saw. Yeah, I uh, initially I felt the exact same way. I, I kind of came away from it uh, very tired. Obviously, you know, being up so early, getting up at five forty five. <laughs> Um, I was a little just groggy and, and it happened so quickly because they bounce through the games very quickly yeah. and they don't give you a whole lot of detail. It's like one after another after another. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I was kind of looking for the same thing. I, I was actually looking for some more footage on some games that we saw recently, uh, like uh, my friend Pedro, which was uh, showed, off, showed off during uh, E3, which mm -hmm. looks amazing. Um, uh, games like Ape Out, which is going to be coming out in, in just a couple weeks. So really don't need more footage on that. But I was expecting more of those big heavy hitters. And mm -hmm. it seems like we got kind of a, a, a mix of some smaller indie games and then some games that I wasn't familiar uh, with until today, like CrossCode, um, that, that yeah. kind of set the internet on fire. I guess it's a very good game, supposedly. This uh, is the card-based one, right? No, uh, that's SteamWorld Quest. Oh, yeah, you're right. I, okay, sorry, I have, yeah. That's the only game that I actually came out initially excited for because I've played... SteamWorld Dig and I played SteamWorld Dig 2 uh, mm -hmm. on Nintendo Switch uh, in 2017. So in the Switch's launch year. And that was one of my favorite games of that entire year overall. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it's a very very fun game. The the premise is you basically are controlling this character. Uh, you're digging down into the ground, uh, similar to like a game like Dig Dug, if you remember that. That yeah. you're kind of drilling down into the ground, um, and you're collecting treasure and loot and stuff. But the whole mechanic is you have a, a a lantern that your character has with you, and it slowly starts to burn out. So you have you have to get as much loot as you can, get back to the surface, and then your lantern will refill, and then cash in your loot, buy stuff to upgrade that makes you be able to dig faster or dig through specific rocks. And mm-hmm. the whole idea is you're kind of digging deeper and deeper and deeper in each run. And there's a ton of secrets to find. Um, there's a whole lot of, of cool stuff. And they actually added in this game some like specific power-ups that that kind of feel um, like something you'd see in a, in a game like Metroid, where you have a lot more exploratory um, uh, powers, if you will. And uh, it's just a really satisfying gameplay loop of going down a dig, getting some loot, going back up, upgrading your stuff so you can get deeper next time. And you're mm-hmm. always racing against the clock, essentially, with the, the lantern mechanic. So it's it's a very, very clever game. The first game was fun, but the second game is hands down. Uh, they improved on every aspect of it. Really gorgeous game, too. So I um, have not played SteamWorld Heist, which is a, another entry in that SteamWorld franchise. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but SteamWorld Quest coming out. Very excited. Uh, it's uh, like a card. It looks like you've got a, a deck of cards that you kind of used to battle through different scenarios and it's a, an right. adventure game where you're going to be yeah you're going to be collecting loot and stuff and i imagine you're going to have different cards you're going to be able to collect they showed a small mm-hmm. snapshot of like the collection book itself so yeah. uh that one i was right off the bat i was like oh yeah i'm in for this but uh i had to go back and and rewatch it again and kind of look at some of these games and get a little bit more information on them so yeah. Um, to start off, um, going back to the the top of the presentation, uh, Wargroove. So that's a game that I, you know I thought, oh, this looks great. But my initial thought was, we've got Fire Emblem Three Houses coming out sometime this spring, supposedly. That seems like that's already going to kind of occupy that gameplay. I don't know if I want to get too deep into another tactic style game if we've mm-hmm. got almost the same type of game coming out later. But looking into this. It looks like Wargroove is a little bit more than that. So um, did you ever play the Advance Wars games back on the Game Boy Advance? Oh, yeah, of course. Familiar with them? Okay, so so that's a series that people have been clamoring for to come back. And Nintendo just hasn't resurrected that franchise. Uh But this this game is kind of like the spiritual successor to Advance Wars. So if you like Advance Wars, this is right up your alley. Interesting. Um, Yeah. And what's cool about Wargroove, it looks like they've got a full story campaign that you can play through, of course, but it's local co-op and also online co-op. So you can play multiplayer with other people. Um, But what's even cooler is that you have an entire map creator and a campaign creator. So you can actually go in and build your own story campaign that other people can play, which is kind of crazy. If you think about that, because this game essentially could be endless, you could have content forever, you know, right. playing other people's stuff. So um, that game, I think, uh, you know, again, after taking to online, uh, after watching the presentation, apparently that's a game people have been very excited about. Guess I've been under a rock, but Wargroove looks like it's going to be really good. Um, another game that stood out to me, though, during the presentation that I think is going to be a sleeper. And even though uh, it sounds like a lot of people are excited for uh, is inmost so that was the 2d kind of atmospheric puzzle platformer um mm-hmm. 
in in that one, it sounds like you're going to be playing three different characters' stories simultaneously. And yeah, then this uh, is the one I'm excited for. Yeah, I was watching it and I got immediately started to get vibes from uh, the game Limbo, which is um, a, a 2D uh, platformer, kind of puzzle platformer, mm-hmm. really, really atmospheric game. Um, same guys did Inside, which came out um, a couple years ago as well. I think both of those are available now on Switch as a pack, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Um, but I got very, very Limbo-esque vibes from uh, from Inmost. And uh, I also saw a, a, a section near the end of that trailer where he was kind of doing some like wall platforming. And it yeah. really reminded me of Celeste. Um, yeah. And, you know, I when was he was going to bring that up. I yeah. absolutely agree. So I think this could be another Celeste kind of game that, you know, kind of goes under the radar for a lot of people and ends up being this massive success and, and this like, a gem of of the year i think it's no doubt celeste was probably the 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 biggest indie highlight from last year from mm-hmm. um from multiple perspectives so i i think inmost could be that game for this year i'm, I'm that would be awesome because it definitely looks incredible um just the way that the the game itself looks and then um just kind of what they showed us mm-hmm. it, it yeah it's, it looks like it's going to be a pretty incredible game um yeah. i have i have high hopes for this one high hopes me too um because like i said i didn't i didn't wasn't too excited about them all so this one i have yeah probably the most eager to play yeah yeah i definitely came away looking at steam world quest in most um now i guess uh wargroove and then uh cross code so cross code was the second to last game they showed off Again, another game that I guess has been out on Steam. So it's it's been out for a bit, coming to Switch finally. A lot of people were buzzing about this online when I was uh, checking the Twitter sphere afterwards. Uh, a lot of people were very, very excited for CrossCode coming over. So I looked a little bit deeper into it. Uh, again, it's a 2D action RPG. First thing that I thought of when I saw that was the game Secret of Mana, which was a Super Nintendo game back in the day. Uh, very, very similar art style, it looks like. Kind of, kind of reminded me a little bit of Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo as well. Um, really nice pixel art and some interesting action elements as far as the uh, actual fights go. It looked like it was going to be some pretty chaotic stuff, uh, similar to what you see in like Enter the Gungeon when there's just bullets all over the screen and just numbers flying everywhere and shit. Looked yeah. like a very similar thing. Um, I guess people that have played through this game said the campaign is very long. So if you do want something like Octopath that's going to be able to uh, satiate that need for a, a nice meaty RPG, I mm-hmm. guess this game's like a 40-hour long RPG story Dang. without the side that. quest. So yeah, that's a surprise. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, the game's only like $20 or something. So oh, cool. uh, the, the return on investment there for the time uh, you get versus money spent, very, very yeah. good. Yeah, so, this, game, this game looks pretty cool too. I, I like this one a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not too fond of like goat simulator. That's been kind of a meme game that's been out on just okay. about every platform now. Let's talk um, about that for a second. Yeah. I was, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they introduced goat simulator during this indie game that's been around for a while. Right. Um, and I just, okay. I played it before. Yes. I played it on <laughs> Xbox. Don't judge yeah. me. Okay. People. No, not, I'm but, not. <laughs> they, they it's so funny. So um 
I laughed when I saw this on the indie highlights this morning, and I I had to look more into this because I'm like, how is this <laughs> game like so big right now? Like it's coming to Switch, right? It's got all of these uh, DLCs for it, yeah. and there's a huge following for oh, this yeah. game. It's got like a cult following. I, all of I those simulator games, yeah, insane, I'm, man. I mean, granted, it was fun for like the first ten minutes I played it, but and and yes, there's a game for everyone out there. I get that, but man, <laughs> I just I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, oh my gosh, this game! I guarantee you, they did not expect this game to be what it was when it first launched. There's no, no. way. There's no, no way because it's no. so silly, but yeah. it's fun and it's interesting. You can play it with your friends. I just yeah. <laughs> sorry it's 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 a it's a very uh unique game let's put it that way and yeah, like you said there's really a game is. for everybody some people just kind of like to get into a game not have to worry about a story just mess around with a goat i guess you know uh, it's a little sandbox you know do whatever you want it looks interesting definitely not something that i would pick up and play but who knows uh, yeah i've never tried it either so I, maybe it is I, really fun. i definitely have played it it's it's <laughs> It, like I said, it's fun because you can do some like really stupid stuff with the goat and you can get like rocket launcher. I mean, rocket launcher. You can do jet packs and just all these like different crazy things with, with the goat. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just can't believe the following. It's so funny. Yeah. I know. I'm surprised. It's been around for so long. It feels like it's been like four or five years now that it's been out and it's still yeah, it's getting a long time ago. I played it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, do you have any other comments on any of the games that you saw today? Um, honestly, I'm just really excited for. I like I already said, my two games that I'm really excited for is Inmost and yeah. Crosscode. Yeah. Um, still, you know, yes, I'm disappointed about um the you know the inter or the indie highlights, but. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be more. There's going to be oh, yeah. I'm sure there's even more games that they haven't announced yet that we'll see. So, yeah, um, those of you who have seen the indie highlights, don't be disappointed because I'm sure there's going to be more that we haven't even seen yet. So, yeah. And it is worth noting, too, that this is this is like a separate subset of Nintendo. This is Nintendo UK to put on this. And they also put one on last August and it was a, a similar set of games. So I don't know. It seems like a lot of these games are published in Europe in in that general area. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe there might be a couple on here that are, that are not, but uh, it seems that they're kind of highlighting a lot of uh, European developers there, which is not mm-hmm. a, a different thing. But a lot of the games that a lot of the indie games that we see in in the West here um, generally come during Nintendo's uh, Nindie Showcase. So there's like two separate indie like presentations that Nintendo puts on. They have the Nindies showcase, which is like the U.S. stuff. Uh, a lot of the bigger names that we're familiar with, and then there's the U.K. Uh, indie highlights, which this is the second of those. So, right, uh, it's it is a different set of games, but um, you know there were games that were shown off uh, during the last uh, indie highlights last year, which ended up being fantastic games like Undertale. That's clearly a game that yep. you know a lot of people were. Or, excited to play on switch we both played through loved it it was very very fun um amongst some others so yeah Yeah. i have no doubt this is again this is just the first presentation in the first few weeks of the year this Mm -hmm. isn't the 
end all be all for what's coming from Nintendo. This is like a very, very small section of, of right. independent games. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I mean, you know, again, after looking at these games uh, a little bit more in detail, I'm excited. There's uh, at least half of them that I'm uh, more curious about um, and, and excited for. So cool. Well, uh, the next big piece of news that was uh, released yesterday was the industry information, um, sales information from the MPD group. Uh, Matt Piscatella reported on Twitter yesterday, gave a really nice long summary of uh, a recap of 2018 in gaming. I, I picked a few highlights that stood out to me. The first is that the Nintendo Switch outsold the PlayStation 4 in November and December, which uh, made it the best-selling console of 2018 overall. So Nintendo Switch was the best-selling console of the entire year. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? That's incredible. Yeah. I I mean, and if you look at it from... um, I'm going to just bring it back for a minute because if you Mm -hmm. bring it back as far as like the Wii U, you know, Nintendo was struggling to survive in these times. Oh, yeah. You look at even like their stock, their stock was so low um, Mm -hmm. and it was just such a hard time for Nintendo. So this is huge. Yeah, it's so huge for Nintendo. It's so big. Um, I love the Switch. Mm -hmm. I personally love it. It's my console I have with me all the time. Right. And I think this is this just goes. That's probably why it goes to show that it's so successful. It's compact, portable. Mm -hmm. It's not that expensive so that's incredible i had no idea that's so awesome and and not to mention it's like the perfect indie game machine so i mean before the nintendo (laughs) switch to play indies you had you know your phone if they came to that and generally that wasn't the best place to play them and then uh you know the playstation vita was kind of the predecessor to the nintendo switch from sony and Mm -hmm. that was and for a while was my indie game machine i still have my vita uh, but I don't play it anymore because all those games have made their way to Switch, most of them. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and the Switch is, you know, a, a lot more versatile. Being able to dis, de, detach the Joy-Con, play with somebody else, dock it, play it on the TV, like such a great console. And uh, I have seen some uh, a little bit of of clarification on this or, or, or pushback from from some people. You know, oh, the Nintendo Switch, obviously it's selling well. It's only in its second year and these consoles are, uh, in you know coming into their sixth year on the market you know they they better be outsold by nintendo but it is worth noting i went and did a little bit of digging the um just to put it in perspective as far as like how quickly the nintendo switch is selling mm-hmm. uh you mentioned the wii u they they sold through i think the wii u was only at like 12 or 13 million units sold lifetime they blew past that very very quickly and a year one i believe Damn. um the playstation 4 uh, which is the the best selling console of this generation by a long shot. They're in the 92, 93 million uh, consoles sold range right now. Um, they're at the same time that they they hit their second year. I think they were at about 30.4, 30 point something million units sold. Nintendo is expected or they've projected that they'll hit 38 million by the end of their second year. So that would put them. 8 million units above where Sony was at at the same time frame. So putting it in perspective, it's selling very, very well. Yes, it is selling well uh, at a time when the other consoles are starting to, you know, uh, move towards a transitional period in between generations. I get that. But it's also selling well compared to where they were at during the same time frame. So 
Right. Um, Nintendo des deserves a lot of credit. They've put out uh, an, an incredible, incredible piece of hardware. Yeah. Um, and they're very, already very... rumoring uh, maybe an upgrade on on their console. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this year, it sounds like we might be getting uh, like a Switch Pro, something that's a little bit more powerful. That's been one rumor. There's been a rumor of maybe like a Switch Mini that's doesn't have detachable Joy-Con. It's kind of there to fill the 3DS um, uh, area of, of mm -hmm. sales because the 3DS for a long time has been Nintendo's entry-level platform for younger gamers to get into and play uh, those games. That's kind of going to sleep soon. So mm -hmm. It's been out for a very long time too. Uh, so the Switch is clearly where they're putting their eggs in that basket going forward. Yeah. I, I expect we'll see some sort of a lower cost option at some point, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's the rumors that we'll see that sometime this year. But yeah. uh, regardless, Nintendo Switch selling very, very well. Um, moving on to the software side of things, Red Dead Redemption 2 was the best-selling software overall for the year, uh, beating out Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which Dang. is uh, has been the top-selling game for the past few years. Call of Duty generally tops those charts. So yeah. what are your thoughts on Red Dead Redemption uh, narrowly edging out Call of Duty for the top software sold this year? That's surprising, um, mm -hmm. mainly because we've been moving away from um, story-based games for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of what we've been seeing is really co-op games. So like, if we look at some of the games that have been huge over the years, obviously Call of Duty has been on the top of that list. We got yeah. Fortnite. That's been huge. Right. We got a bunch of games that are out there that are um, competitive and co-op and um, games that you're playing together. I mean, even the consoles yeah. themselves are going away from you playing in room other than the Switch. They're going right. away from you playing in room with people. They're mm -hmm. going all online playing. Yeah. And so Red Dead Redemption being a game that really when it first came is a story-based game. You're going through this long story. Yeah. I think that's super refreshing to to see because the stories in these games are so huge because they tell us about these characters and they um, mm -hmm. really allow us to explore these worlds, right? which is so fun and so interesting. And when we play online, I feel like we only get a glimpse of that. Yeah. Like we only get a glimpse of the world and mm -hmm. and um, we don't get to see too much of, of the reality of what's happening there. Um, and so for me, just to see that, I think that that's so cool because it's mm -hmm. really bringing back, um, like the true nature of where games started. It's yeah. from you coming and playing a story and learning yeah. about your character and going forward. So I think that's cool, especially since yeah. Call of Duty has been so huge over the years. Right. Yeah. And, and this year I think was really, um, uh, uh, kind of a, a slap in the face to people who are saying single player games are dead. So we've got Red Dead Redemption yeah. 2. We got God of War that came out earlier this year and just and shattered every everybody's expectations. Ended up being the game of the year. Uh, you've got Spider-Man on PlayStation 4, which just blew everybody away as well. Mm -hmm. um, Best-selling superhero game in the last 15 years, which is incredible. Um, Best-selling uh, PlayStation 4 exclusive of the entire generation. Amazing work. Uh, what else? we got Assassin's Creed Odyssey that again kind yeah. of blew everybody's expectations uh up as well uh, a game that you know people felt like the, the franchise had fatigued assassin's creed origins didn't do as well last year as i think a lot of people wanted to i enjoyed the game 
Um, haven't gotten around to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, though, but that is a game that is very much on my list to play, but a single player mm-hmm. game, right? So I, this was single player games or yeah, this like was Pokemon this was, single player. Yeah, yeah. was huge yeah. this year. We got yeah, Octopath, Octopath that was right? huge. Mm-hmm. We got um, I feel like last year was such a huge year for single player games, and I would yeah. love to see that continue. Oh, yeah, I am very, very excited. Um, last thing of note is that Super Smash Brothers Ultimate was the best selling game of December which is is great in itself. But mm-hmm. during that time, it ended up being the fifth best-selling game of the entire year of 2018. Whoa. So let me put this into perspective for you. Super Smash Brothers came out in December, December 7th, I believe, uh, very early on in the month. In that 30-day period that it was out, it became the fifth best-selling game of the entire year. And <laughs> that doesn't include digital sales. So Nintendo does not report digital sales to the MPD group. So that's just retail sales alone that set Holy Super Smash crap. Brothers. Yeah, so um, clearly that's been a very big key in the Switch's success for this year. Uh, I know earlier in the year, Nintendo was reporting that they might not hit their uh, target uh, Switch sales um, by the end of the fiscal year. It seems now that they're very much on pace, maybe even ahead of what they were expecting to do because of the success of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Another interesting tidbit is that Super Smash Brothers Ultimate also set the all-time launch month record for sales of a console exclusive, uh, beating the previous record holder, which was Halo Reach back in 2010. So they basically just shattered the record for the first month sales of a console exclusive um, for the first time in in eight years, which is incredible. So Nintendo is, um, they, you know, earlier in the year, there were not as many big releases uh, as the first year of the Switch where it seemed like every month or every other month there was a big title coming out. They had a very good cadence for their release in the first year. Second year, they definitely relied a lot more on the indie games, the third-party developers to kind of start keeping that system software library growing. Uh, but at the end of the year, they came out swinging with uh, what's arguably the biggest game so far on the Switch. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see where Super Smash Brothers Ultimate ends up as far as the all-time sales because I keep seeing stuff online about how it just keeps breaking records in Japan for mm-hmm. first week sales, first month sales, you name it. Um, best-selling in the franchise uh, in, in certain areas of the world. So... Yeah, very, very excited about Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah. It's, All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just, yeah, I just think that that's insane. I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in a month's time, they beat, or they got themselves into a place that I don't think anybody was expecting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, you know, uh, were very excited for this game. I think I, I knew it was going to be a, a, a big game in terms of sales. It's uh-huh. going to drive systems, but I was not expecting it to do the amount of, of work that it's done in the last month. So, no, I mean, I'm everybody very... I know, yes, has it. Yeah. I mean, think about that, though. That's there's yeah. a kind of a testament. We had it just in our, our, our friend group alone. We had uh, like three people buy switches this year um, and, and two of them bought it specifically for Smash Brothers, which is yeah. a testament to how I mean, just how massive this game is. Every character's back. You've got almost all the stages there. You've got so much uh, in terms of the single player content of of collecting the spirits. And they they did a fantastic job. I'm very, very curious to see 
what the DLC characters end up being uh, after we get Joker, which is the first piece of DLC. Mm. Uh, I, I want to know who those other four are. I need yeah, to know. know. I'm really, I, know. I mean, I, I already got that fighter's pass, but I, I got to know who's coming. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they've, I they've paid done, for that, right? You guys, right? Let me know. <laughs> let me know. Um, they've, they've done a good job just kind of supporting the game post launch as well. They've had, uh, like little spirit events to keep people going back into the game. Some of them mm-hmm. are exclusive that you can only get for a, you know, a certain period of time, a couple of days or whatever. So mm-hmm. uh, I, it hasn't been enough to draw me back in. After I played World of Light, I was kind of burnt out for a while. I was like, man, I need to take a break, play something else. So um, it's a lot, but it's still very, very fun when you've got a group of people playing or mm-hmm. playing against uh, some somebody online or friends, you know, in the same room. So. Yeah. fantastic game hats off to nintendo for a great year i'm excited to see what comes in 2019 yes. so uh let's move over to our featured discussion for the week so this is a reoccurring segment that i uh, like to call indie chat and this is where my guests and i will discuss some recent noteworthy indie games that we've played and give a brief synopsis and our impressions and if we feel it's worthwhile checking out or not so our last indie chat um eric and i spoke about celeste we talked about Into the Breach, Dead Cells, Bastion, and Figment. Uh, and if you're interested in hearing our thoughts on any of those, check out episode nine of In Your Element for more. So to start uh, today's indie chat, I'd like to begin with one of my favorite games of last year, uh, and that's The Messenger. So from the initial trailer that was shown off, um, I thought, you know, this looked like another indie game that's just trying to cash in on some retro pixel art and music. But what I didn't realize is the twist that happens in the game, um, which also happens in the trailer. So if you haven't played The Messenger, don't worry. These aren't spoilers. It's everything you'd see in the trailer. Um, And that is that the game essentially becomes a giant game about time travel. So the synopsis for The Messenger is, as a demon army besieges his village, a young ninja ventures through a cursed world to deliver a scroll paramount to his clan's survival. Leveraging player expectations as a core design ingredient, the messenger is first presented as an 8-bit action platformer with a simple story only to turn into an epic time-traveling tale, eventually revealing itself as a 16-bit Metroidvania packed with replay value and deadpan humor. So uh, I, I loved I loved how they flipped the game on you like that. Starts mm-hmm. out of this 8-bit side-scrolling action platformer uh, very reminiscent of the Ninja Gaiden series of games on the NES. And then halfway through, they just flip it. And then you're traveling to the future. And it becomes this game that you're backtracking and you're, uh, it basically just morphs into a, a full-on Metroidvania game um, yeah. with exploration and power-ups and stuff. So it was very, very incredible experience. Ended up being one of my favorite games uh, overall of last year. Um, and I also thought it was very funny. It was a very well-written game. So Yeah, um, it really what, was. Yeah, um what are your what were your overall thoughts on the messenger uh yeah i would agree with you i just thought it was um i haven't beaten it i you know i definitely didn't get through as far as you did i'm still playing it at the moment but i thought it was super creative with the writing um had a lot of fun with um kind of just the overall mechanics of the game i thought they did really good um Mm -hmm. with that um it just felt natural as i'm playing it yeah um but yeah, I, I, I really I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I can't say I'm on the same. Maybe it's just because I'm not as far, but I can't say yeah. it wasn't it was one of my favorite games from last year. Yeah, uh, but I'm definitely enjoying it. 
have you gotten to the point where it flips and turns into a, a 16-bit game yet? Uh, yes. Okay. So I hit okay. that. You got to that. I, I'm not far into it, though. But yes, I hit okay. that uh, yesterday or the day before. Okay. Yeah, that's that's where the game like it truly does like flip upside down and it becomes this entirely different experience. And uh, at first I was like, okay, like, you know, I was you're waiting for that moment the whole time you're playing. Like, I think it's probably about the first like three, four hours, maybe playing the game. It's it's eight bit. It's very like straightforward gameplay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's it was fun, but I was kind of like, okay, like I want to get to the good part. Like, show me the part that, that this all changes like we saw in the trailer. Um, so I was kind of anticipating that moment happening and then it happened and I was like, oh yeah. And then, and then you, you kind of going through some other uh, different things and then, uh, and then the story gets more insane after that. Um, so trust me, continue playing. It's very, very, very fun. Um, and again, I, uh, the writing in the, in it was like genuinely funny. They did such a good job calling back to, uh, older games that they drew inspiration on. And cool. uh, yeah, just overall, um, highly recommend this game, uh, especially if you're into Metroidvania style games. Just know going in that the first three to four hours is not that experience. It's just a very straightforward side scrolling action platformer. Um, you know, you, you have to have some precise jumps and stuff. But uh, the, the first part of the game is not my favorite part. The second half is where it really picks up. Um also, I want to point out has a very, very good soundtrack. Uh, I actually found the uh, the soundtrack for the game on Apple Music, and I've been listening to that. Um, I n- normally don't listen to video game soundtracks. I just I don't know. Uh, even though they're very good, I, I find like okay, I'm, I'm not too invested in the music. But this one is so good, man. So um, if you do like the music or want to hear mm-hmm. what the music's about, the artist is uh, called Rainbow Dragon Eyes, which is all one word. And uh, I was a big fan of the Hills of Destiny track, which is basically the first level that you go into. Uh, so it, it, you, you'll hear it right away. But I like it because they have two different albums. There's one that's like called The Past, and then there's one that's called The Future. So you get to listen to each oh, of the clever. tracks and hear what they sounded like in their 8-bit form and then hear them in the 16-bit. It just sounds so good. You know, I saw you listening to that on Apple Music. <laughs> and I, I'll I'll have to look back at it and see. Uh, I'll yeah. have to check it out. Dude, playlist because the playlist is good. I agree with you. Yeah, um, it's it's great music. I mean, it really it's it's just it's nostalgic feeling, but it's like still new to an extent because it's modern. But I, I really think they did a very good job. That game's got some free DLC coming out um, early this year, from what I understand. They showed that off at the Game Awards. So. Uh, I think it's called like Picnic Panic or something. So it looks like a little islandy DLC. But it's nice oh, cool. that the developers are supporting the game with some additional content for free. That's also mm-hmm. uh, worth noting. So very, very cool. So um, next game I would like to talk about is Enter the Gungeon. So the synopsis for this one is Enter the Gungeon is a gunfight dungeon crawler following a band of regretful misfits seeking to shoot, loot, dodge, roll, and table flip their way to personal absolution by reaching the legendary Gungeon's ultimate treasure, the gun that can kill the past. Select a hero and battle your way to the bot, sorry, the bottom of the Gungeon by surviving and uh, challenging evolving series of floors filled with the dangerously adorable gun dead and fearsome Gungeon bosses armed to the teeth. Gather precious loot, discover hidden secrets, and chat with opportunistic merchants 
and shopkeepers to purchase powerful items to gain an edge. So I haven't spent more than a couple hours personally with this one, but Eric, I know you've been enjoying this one a lot lately. Tell me what your thoughts are about it. Um, so that basic synopsis was pretty much perfect. Um, but I will answer the question that everybody asks first. No, I have no idea how many rooms or dungeons there actually are to get <laughs> to the bottom. I have, yeah. I, I can't get past the third floor it's freaking annoying um it's it's a very hard game very very difficult (laughs) definitely roguelike game um it's a game to let your rage out um it's but it's i'm having so much fun with it uh roguelike games aren't typically a game that i tend to like go towards right um because they frustrate me so much that i'm just like i hate you okay i'm moving on yeah Um, yeah but I'm I really am having a lot of fun and it's sat in my on my console for so long that mm-hmm. I you know just hadn't gone back to it and now I haven't really had much to play. So mm-hmm. well that's not true. I have too much to play and I don't know what to play. <laughs> so I went to it. So um but yeah, I just went to it because I was like, you know, I know each time I play this it goes through quickly and right. You have to get good at this game. Like anybody who's mm-hmm. gonna try this game out. You just know you're going to have to get good at it if you're going to get far. Um, Each time I play, I get better and better. I find more and more things out. Just Mm -hmm. yesterday, I found out something about the game that I, you know, I played many hours, at least, um, you know, 10 to 15 hours on this game, maybe Mm -hmm. even longer. Um, And I'm literally still finding things out. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, it's such a good game. You'll definitely take advantage of some of the um, people that you'll end up discovering and finding because they're going to help you out get through the game a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that. I haven't experienced it yet. So yeah. I have people who are there and I just have to, you know, get through the game a little bit more to be able to. I don't want to give out too many spoilers. So I'm being super vague, but um, that's all right. So, but yeah, I'm just, um, I'm excited to see what's more to come. Yeah. Um, I'm a big like fan of the, the table flipping mechanic. I think that's so cool. I don't know why it's like, it's just this top down 2d game, but you can like flip tables, uh, in certain directions yeah. <laughs> to, to like, you know, take, uh, bullets from the enemies. It's uh, freaking so it doesn't helpful. Hit your character. Yeah. But it just feels so badass Cause you're, th- this game is very, very fast paced. Like you're blazing through these rooms really yep. quickly. And it's it's basically a, a bullet hell game too. So you've got a bunch of characters on screen. They're firing different patterns of, of bullets and you're yeah. trying to dodge them and, and also shoot back at them. And then you just bust through here and just start kicking tables poof, poof, and just yeah, take those so bullets. Cool. Block My you. favorite thing is actually jumping over the table and then turning around and flipping it. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> That's some pro strats, dude. Dude, it's so good. It's so That's much. Awesome. It just makes you look so cool. You just jump over the table. You turn around, yeah. flip it, and just, then you just keep going. Yeah, uh, it's super good. The yeah, I, my definitely my biggest recommendation for anyone who's going to play this game is don't put too much thought into it. Um, mm-hmm. You're definitely going to learn a, like a lot as you go through with it. Um, you're going to find your character that's going to work well for you. I played all four characters many, many times, and I'm um, finally stuck on, I think it's just a soldier. I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. 
um, and I'm stuck with him because yeah. I've learned kind of the mechanics of him yeah. and his perks and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I can tell you, like, the main little guys that you fight, three shots in them, and they're dead, and I can move on. Oh, and nice. so you start to, like, learn these things as you go out throughout the game. Right. It's so fast-paced that the mo- yeah. more you can pick up, the better. Yeah. Um, But, like, don't overthink it. You yeah. overthink it, you're dead. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think really I think that was down to. what I was trying to play it a little bit more like methodical when I first went through, you know, trying to hide behind the corners of the of the like stone walls and really use the table cover um, and, and just playing it much slower. But if you if you yeah, you're right, you're going to get overwhelmed by enemies uh, if, if you're not moving. you got to constantly be moving. Yep. Yeah, there's so many uh, times that I'll like try a strategy, a new strategy. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to be like a little, let's like I'm a little slower or something, and mm-hmm. I'm watching somebody around the corner, but I forget to like look just down or below me. Right. And there's a guy coming around the corner, and he just like takes out my shield or something. And I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> so really, don't overthink this game because it's so much yeah. fun. You have to get in there and just just shoot things. You have yeah. to. Oh yeah. Uh, another thing too that we both like uh, found out, but it was one of the selling points. I know last year you're like, "Oh man, what's this game? Enter the Gungeon." And I was like, "Ah, I've heard of it. I don't know too much about it." And you're like, "It's co-op," and that was like one of the first things that that you told me about the game. And then we forgot about the co-op aspect, and then we yeah. we jumped into it yesterday very briefly. Didn't get to play too much of it, but uh, mm-hmm. that was very fun. I mean, you feel uh way more in control when you've got two people coming at it oh my god <laughs> for sure wasn't so. that easy it felt yeah. easy oh yeah we didn't it, get too far because yeah um we had to move on but it was it felt so much easier yeah i was expecting the enemies to be a little more difficult or maybe double the enemy you know but no it was it was the same map but you're just you got two people yeah. so uh, it was very very fun um what do you think as far as uh as far as folks go purchasing this game is this like a something that you'd recommend must buy do you think wait for a sale you think this is like a skip um it's it's so for me it would definitely be a must buy um those people who are concerned about roguelike games i would say just give this one an opportunity give it a Mm -hmm. try Mm -hmm. um definitely a must buy um if you don't like roguelike games and you want to just give this one a chance wait for a sale um, yeah, I think that's fair. I, I'd uh, probably give the same assessment. It's a but, yeah. if you if you like uh, the Binding of Isaac. So if you've played the Binding of Isaac and you like that kind of gameplay, then you'll like Enter the Gungeon. It's very similar to that, but uh, very different at the same time. But it's it's a roguelike game, just like Isaac, uh, kind of a bullet hell in, in a similar fashion, but just a lot more happening on the screen and mm-hmm. uh, a lot faster paced, in my opinion. So yeah, very cool. Uh, another game that I'd like to bring up that I played recently that really blew me away is uh, Gris. So this game um, came out near the end of last year. It flew under a lot of people's radar uh, until right about the end of December. And uh, there was a lot of buzz about it online in regards to the art style. Um, I love artistic games, so I knew I was going to give it a look. And the synopsis for this one is, Gris is a hopeful young girl lost in her own world, dealing with a painful experience in her life. Her journey through sorrow is manifested in her dress, which grants new abilities to better navigate her faded reality. As the story unfolds, Gris will grow emotionally and see her world in a different way, revealing new paths to explore using her new abilities. 
Gris is a serene and evocative experience, free of danger, frustration, or death. Players will explore a meticulously designed world brought to life with delicate art, detailed animation, and an elegant original score. Through the game, light puzzles, platforming sequences, and optional skill-based challenges will reveal themselves as more of Gris's world becomes accessible. So uh, this game is very much uh, an experience. So uh, a lot of the criticism that I saw online, which it's very much outweighed by the positive, but the criticism for the game is, you know, this isn't really very fun to play or it's it's a very easy game to play. It is. It's it's uh, it's a it's a puzzle platforming game as far as the actual like mechanics go. You're going to be platforming. You're going to have very, you know, light puzzles to solve. They're not very difficult, but they do kind of push you to think outside the box on some of them. And they're still like satisfying enough when you complete it that you're like, okay, that that felt good. That was worth doing. Uh, So it's not it's not necessarily like a mindless game, but it is a, a game that's very serene. It's very much a game that you can relax and play, uh, which is more and more uncommon these days with um, heavy action focused games and story driven games where you've really got to be invested and pay attention. Grace is a nice breath of fresh air that you can kind of just mellow out. The music is very, very good. It has that thing in it that I know you and I both love where you go underwater and the music (laughs) stops and it has like this underwater sound. Yes. The uh, and and all, all it has when you're under the water is just sound effects. And it's I just love that. I I do too. It's like <laughs> that might be like one of my weirdest like loves for games. Is uh, yeah. Celeste did it so well, and the messenger. Is it too, like a messenger... guilty pleasure? Is that what, I don't, what we should just I don't, call it? I don't know. It's it's just kind of I'm like, like a, guilty I, for enjoying that. <laughs> I I don't think it's a guilty pleasure. I I don't it's, know. It's it's a weird quirk that you and I both uh, enjoy. We take yeah. we take uh, appreciation for developers that change the song or make it sound like it's muddled underwater when the character's underwater. So um, Celeste and the messenger both did a really, really good job of that. But Gris also does that too. And the first thing that I thought was, oh shit, Eric's gonna Eric's gonna love this. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, now so this, that you tell me that now, now I have to buy the game for that one. Uh, I mean, just for that one thing, you won't be disappointed. It's it's a oh. very I, I know this is a game that you you would enjoy for sure. Um, so for those of you that that aren't too sure about like what an experience experiential game is, um, if you're familiar with games like Journey that came out uh, years ago on the PlayStation three, it's available on PS4 as well. Um, game like Abzu that came out a couple years ago, which is like a very serene underwater uh, kind of exploration game. Uh, and then also the game Flower um or flow same developer that did journey as well uh it's very much like those games so they're very slow paced very much uh, kind of go at your own at your own pace um but beautiful music score um the art is insane this is one of the best looking games of last year hands down you've got you've got games like red dead redemption 2 god of war that came out and just blew everybody's socks off graphically but then you've got games like Gris that are just this amazing hand-drawn watercolor animated, uh, just beautiful. And the whole kind of premise of the game as you move through is she loses her voice and the whole world goes gray, which is what this word is in, in Spanish. I believe it means gray. Wow. So the whole world turns gray. And then as you move through the different areas and um, unlock different abilities, you start to return individual colors to the world and it adds that in. So like 
no spoilers, but the first color you get is red. So then the, the like red they have starts... it in the trailer. They I do. Was, yeah, they've um... got they've got various colors shown in the trailer, but uh, the red's the first one you get. It's it, you know the red just kind of flows in, and all of a sudden the the color palette changes to incorporate reds and like light colors and 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 light mm-hmm. pink and stuff. So very very uh, great game. I highly recommend it. Again, if you've played games like Journey, Abzu, this is a must play. Um, if you like artistic games or you're looking for something a little bit slower paced, definitely give this game a look. I think mm-hmm. it's only like twenty dollars or twenty five dollars. Um, uh, on the eShop, it's also available uh, on on PlayStation Four uh, as well as Xbox, I believe. So, uh, plenty yeah. of options out there for that. So, yeah, I love uh, Eric, the I love the color on this game. It's incredible. Yeah, you know, it's it looks like um almost like water painting. Yeah, it's it it it's very hand drawn. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it, it looks like somebody drew it and painted it with watercolor, and they did an yeah. outstanding job. I I can't I can't praise it enough. It's it it is a beautiful game. Um, I definitely recommend looking at that. Um, I want to kick it back over to you. So, um, talking about darkest dungeon. All right. So darkest dungeon. So synopsis about this one, darkest dungeon is a challenging Gothic roguelike RPG about a psychological stresses of adventuring. You will lead a band of heroes on a perilous side scrolling descent, dealing with a predator, prodigious prodigious number of threats to their body health and worse a relentless assault on their mental fortitude 500 feet below the earth you will not only fight unimaginable foes but famine disease and the stress of the ever encroaching dark Darkest Dungeons focuses on the humanity's psychological vulnerabilities to the heroes and asks, what emotional tolls does a life of adventure take? Very nice. So yeah, this... that 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 wordy description is very, uh, very much how this game feels. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, seriously, this game is the, the anxiety that you got reading that is very much what you'll be feeling during this game i i can definitely assure you <laughs> yeah i uh i was basically reading this and the reason why it caught me up so much was because it was giving me stress again from when i played <laughs> through it like i'm reading through this and i'm like oh my god this game is just working me up right now oh man so that's what that was just so all you listeners know it's it's a stressful yeah. experience. Um, it so, really is. So, Darkest Dungeon. It's a game that that came out uh, early last year, actually, uh, for the Switch. It's been on uh, other platforms as well. Um, it's a game I've always heard of and never really thought too much about until it came to Switch, and I was like, okay, great, it's on Switch. I love indies. Let's let's do this. Um, very very challenging game. Really cool art style. It's like uh, hand drawn, also looking two uh, D. Yeah, it's pretty it's fun. Yeah, you're basically taking a, a group of four adventurers into different dungeons. Um, they're they're procedurally generated dungeons, so they're different each time. And uh, the one thing that you have to worry about is the light starting to go out as you get deeper into these areas. You can bring torches with you, but you've got a limited amount of those that you can carry. Your inventory is limited. Um, your as you're fighting like the character's health uh is it's not very easy to replenish that you know you've got 
different potions and things that you can bring with you. But again, limited resources. Um, there's a very like risk reward mechanic in play where, you know, your light's starting dim and you're like, okay, we, we should get out of here. But mm-hmm. I am also very close to the end of this dungeon and I can get some good loot that I can take back to then sell to get a better successful run next time. But the problem is if you get into a fight, uh, it's turn-based fighting. If you get into a battle uh, and you lose a character, they're dead forever. So it's they, there is a permadeath aspect of this game, which is uh, something that I have a hard time with um, in games like Fire Emblem. You get very attached to a character and you're leveling them up and you're like, oh man, these guys are really, really good. Like they're unstoppable. And you go into a, <laughs> a, a an easy dungeon and they get slaughtered and they're gone. And you're like, wow, okay. Back to the drawing board, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very unique game. But it, I mean, it is a very stressful game. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, like your people can get sick. Yeah, they can your, get diseases. And uh, your, oh, man. you know, you have to. Yeah. You have to worry about. You literally, like, I, I know we talked about the synopsis, but to really, like, go into what we were saying was, um, you know, there's disease, there's stress. Like, you were just talking about the darkness. Like, there's literally all these characters of the game as you go through it that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. And if people die off, like, so, like there goes your yeah. help. Um like it's it's a stressful game to yeah, go through. Yeah, and the the characters that they they basically you get you got plenty of people that you can call upon to add into your party. There's different classes um and but their stats are all randomized, so they might have a certain uh, different set of moves or different HP. So mm-hmm. it's it is a very um replayable game. I mean it's it is a roguelike game that's it, yep. it never really ends like there is a final dungeon that you're trying to get to and get through. Uh, I didn't even get that far. I probably got about halfway to that point um, and played probably about 15 hours or so uh, overall. And it's it's a challenging game, man. It, it's one yeah. that's very like, I mean, I I was like legitimately stressed while playing that because you really take on a lot of the emotion of that party and you mm-hmm. know this, you know, the stakes going in and there is this this high risk, high reward thing in play and i generally like to go for those high risks and i lost a lot of really good party members and i was like shit man i don't know if i can go through this like this is so stressful yeah (laughs) especially if road like games are something that you typically go towards yeah and then there are games that you get invested in yeah if you get invested in this game at some point your heart's gonna hurt a lot of it. I won't even say a little oh, bit. It's going to yeah, hurt a, a lot hurt of it. It's going to hurt a lot of it. So uh, <laughs> Darkest Dungeon, um, again, if you like roguelike games, give it a shot. It's a it's an, a unique take on a roguelike game because of the the, the turn-based combat, the, uh, the 2D style of navigation uh, through these dungeons. It is very rewarding when you do get through. Um, there's a huge sense of relief and um, the leveling system. There, it, it, Certain aspects of it get a bit grindy, but it's it's rewarding like they they are still rewarding you but it's very like very small carrot you know dangling in front of you a lot of the time so mm-hmm. if you're into that gameplay uh give darkest dungeon a look they do have the uh, ancestral edition out now which has all of the dlc for the game um i got the base game so i don't have all of that cool stuff i'm a little sad because they did add some cool content some additional characters and stuff but uh Darkest Dungeon, um, I, I would say if you're not into roguelike games or you're not into just being completely stressed out, 
then I would say uh, wait for a sale or pass. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I, I did enjoy it. And I, I look at it on my Switch dock and I'm like, I got to go back to that at some point. But I'm also having a good day. So I, I don't want to. I don't want to bring it down. <laughs> yeah, I I would say it, you know my opinion on that as well. Um, if you like roguelike games, you like investing your time in roguelike games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This would certainly be a game for you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I would say this is a pretty pretty easy pass. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very polarizing for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to move to a completely different side of the spectrum. A uh, very light, cheery, happy game uh, came out last year called Yoku's Island Express. Uh, so I heard a lot about this game last year. A lot of people are saying it was one of their top games of the year. What interested me was this unique blend of genres that the game has. So Yoku's Island Express is a Metroidvania pinball game. So very weird mashup of genres. Um, certain aspects of the game reminded me of Sonic Spinball back on the Sega Genesis, if if you remember that game. Uh, It was a pinball game featuring Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, But this game has a lot more control over where you want to go in this open world. So it is a 2D open world game. Uh, The synopsis is Yoku's Island Express is an open world slash Metroidvania style pinball adventure, seamlessly blending platform navigation with pinball mechanics across a large open world. Yoku the Dung Beetle sets foot on the beach of Mokumana Island, ready to take on the duties as the new postman. But the ancient island god is trapped in a restless sleep, and the insiders are plagued by quakes and storms brought forth by its nightmares. Yoku's Island Express is a unique and quirky adventure with handcrafted visuals where you'll soar through the air, vacuum explosive snails, bite a screech, feed starving lemurs, discover the mystery of the fruit altar, wake an old god, and hopefully help tiny Yoku rebuild the island post office. So, uh, my overall thoughts of the game, uh, I enjoyed it. Overall, it was an enjoyable game. I will say that the novelty of the pinball aspect, um, it did wear off uh, after a bit for me. I, I started to feel a bit fatigued probably about five hours in. game's only about seven, eight hours long, so it's not very long. But I did start to feel that fatigue, um, mainly because the navigation of the actual uh, game is is a little bit frustrating. So there is kind of like a fast travel system around the island, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not very intuitive. It's not like you just select a spot on a map and you're there. Um, it, it's kind of like this weird thing that kind of like cannons you to other areas of the island, but you never really get exactly where you want to go. You're kind of yeah. like in the general vicinity and then you still got to do some traveling. Yeah. Um, and the navigation is, I mean, that's the whole purpose of the game. You're rolling, you're basically rolling this, your this little dung beetle rolling around a ball, which is acts as the pinball. Um, but the actual pinball stuff, which I did enjoy the pinball, uh, there isn't as much of it as I'd like there to be. So it, it definitely has like a bunch of places where you're going to be kind of like playing pinball to get through certain things. But I still feel like they were not as... Uh, focused on as the actual rest of the game and the navigation which is kind of a bummer because it's yeah, the maps it is, look kind of small it 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 looks small it's definitely big when you're in there trust me the actual game itself is pretty big but um yeah i was expecting it to be bigger than that too mm-hmm. i was also expecting just like bigger pinball tables like 
you know, a lot of pinball games have like multiple layers to them where, yeah. you know, you, you, you've got the bottom two uh, bumpers and then you get up into like a middle area and sometimes even like a top area and there's a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff going on. This never even got past like a middle area. So it really didn't feel like they were these massive pinball tables. I mean, it's built into like this 2D environment. So I understand it's not like just a one-to-one of a pinball table, but they did a good job of, of blending it. And um, I just think that the travel was a little bit tedious getting to, you know, uh, a, a character and finding out that you have to go all the way back across the other side of the map. You're like, oh, geez, I don't want to do this right now, but <laughs> I have to to progress the story. Um, uh, I do wish that there were also more boss battles. So there's only... I only remember two boss battles, like the final, and then there's like one in the middle, uh, which were very, very fun. Those parts were very enjoyable because they introduced some new mechanics with the pinball table, uh, but they were very short. And again, there's only a couple of them during this whole experience. Would have been kind of cool to have some more like big um, marquee fights in the actual uh, game. But um, overall, I'd say it, it, it had, you know, a cute art style. Um, as the synopsis said, it was like handcrafted. So it, it, I know, um, you mentioned Eric, uh, it looked similar to like Rayman, that, mm-hmm. that genre of games, um, which I agree. It definitely has a nice, uh, it kind of has like a smeary look to it almost. I played a lot of the game in handheld. Actually, you know what? I played the whole game in handheld. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very small at times and it felt like, uh, everything kind of had like this smeared look to it everything's yeah. really soft mm-hmm. um which is a little hard to see in handheld but um it, it definitely was a beautiful game the uh the music wasn't a big fan of it kind of got a bit old for me after a while it's just kind of like this overly cheery island music which is again cool for like a little bit but after eight hours of that same cheery island music you're yeah, like yeah get over that pretty quick get, get me out of here you know so uh but overall i'd say it's a great mashup of genres uh, mm-hmm. I, I, if they made a sequel to it, I definitely would give it a shot. I, I expect that there's a little bit more difficulty and more pinball. Cause that's kind of like the point of the game. And it didn't seem like there was very much of the pinball aspect. I felt like I was <clears throat> like rolling the ball around manually more than I was like flipping it, you know, through a pinball flipper. So, right. Just I'd say it took for so long to get to one place to another. Yeah, exactly. So I'd say for this one, I would personally say wait for a sale uh, unless you're really a big fan of pinball and Metroidvanias, which I am. Uh, then I'd say it's it's worth a look. I still think it was an enjoyable game, but um, there were there were some pacing issues with it that that I think didn't make it as ideal as it could be. But I like the I like the idea of it. So uh, let's move on to the next one for you. So you want to yeah, talk about. So- uh, uh, one I was uh, wanting to talk about is uh, actually Final Fantasy 15, the pocket edition. Okay. Um, so real quick synopsis on it. Uh, come back to the world of Final Fantasy 15 with a cast of cute and cool characters. You can now enjoy Final Fantasy 15 pocket edition story across 10 uh, exciting chapters in stunning HD resolution, which is pretty cool. Mm hmm. In Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition HD, fans and newcomers alike can follow the journey of Crown Prince Noctis and his brother-in-arms Prompto, Ignis, and Gladius with fully voiced key event scenes and faithful uh, res- restrict... Oh my gosh. Recreated. Recreated a battle. 
Sorry, I That's was okay. reading that way too fast. No worries. Um, What's your take on Final Fantasy 15 Pocket Edition? Yeah, so um, I'll yeah, jumping right into that. Basically, um, um, what this game will look like is I feel like they did a really good job bringing Final Fantasy um, to maybe the next generation. Um, okay. So the younger generation. Because yeah. it really is this like cute and fun style wave of playing this game. Um, mm-hmm. Very um, like it's really a, a younger generation feel to it, but yeah. it does not limit the gameplay and what Final Fantasy truly is. Yeah. Um, a lot of fun. Battling is, is really cool. You're always with your, um, you know, your brother in arms, you're Bros. always traveling with them and, do you, have, um, do you drive the I regalia really, in that the uh, the car? Um, so you you do get in the car, yes. Okay. Um, driving is, um, uh, I I wouldn't say you're like fully driving because you get in okay. the car and you just kind of are going to your different cutscenes. Oh man, that was like such a huge aspect of the the full game on consoles was driving that around just with the bros, you know? <laughs> right, but really, I mean, that's what this game was though. Is that you're um it it was i feel like not the full version of the game which was okay yeah um because it's i mean it's the pocket edition Um, well what's what's crazy is uh if you remember this game was announced it was i think it was free or it was like 4.99 and it came to mobile phones so this game came out like i don't know maybe a year after final fantasy 15 did maybe even less Mm -hmm. than that they announced this pocket edition and i was like what's this all about and it, it's effectively the entire story of Final Fantasy 15 minus all of the DLC that they've added on. But the yeah. core story um, just shrunk down into these like chibi characters. So they're like, you know, the, the, the big heads and all that real yeah. cute little chibi characters. Um, but they yeah, they, they obviously got to cut out a lot of the game because that's just a massive game um, graphically and story wise and content yeah. and because it was a huge open world. So I mean, you look at the two games next to each other just for a second graphically. Yeah. And they obviously had to cut down a lot to bring sure. it to the pocket edition. Right, right, right. But, but they I, did not I, yeah. take your experience away from the game either. Yeah. Um if you're a huge Final Fantasy fan, then I'll just say it now, this game probably isn't for you because you've probably already played this the full version <laughs> of this game anyways. Yeah, that's um, me. <laughs> but for for people who are new to this, um, you know, to new to this uh, uh, style of games or um, new to Final Fantasy franchise in, in, yeah. as a whole, this mm-hmm. was a great introduction to that because it was fun. What I really thought was great or what I think that they did well with was the voiceover Mm. And the um the split screens, I thought that those were really creative addition because they didn't necessarily have to add all that to right. tell you the full story. But right. I thought that they were they did a really good job with that because the Final Fantasy, um, you know, franchise has really been about like your characters and getting to know each other and really oh, yeah. going through this together essentially, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so this was. A, you know, great example of that. Like they did a really good job not limiting that experience. So I thought that that was cool. Awesome. So you you said it recommended if you uh, are new to the franchise. 
And yeah, uh, so definitely recommended if you're new to the franchise. Um, yeah. you know, if if you're younger, you're definitely gonna probably enjoy this game a lot. Um, okay. but again, really, if you're if you're new to this, definitely um, cool. new to the franchise, definitely try it out. Just see what you get from the story, and it probably will intrigue you enough to want to continue the, you know, to check out more Final Fantasy games. Um, yeah, which are going to be coming to Switch this year. Uh, we already have dates for Final Fantasy X and Ten Two. I believe is coming out in April, end of April, or mm-hmm. no, that one's mid-April. And then uh, Final Fantasy Twelve, the Zodiac Age, is coming out at the end of April. So yeah. two really big Final Fantasy games from the PlayStation Two era will be coming out. And then uh, later this year, we're still going to get uh, Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy Nine. Uh, from the PlayStation 1, we get Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. There's like a Chocobo game coming out. So lots of Final Fantasy lot. on the horizon. If you are a fan, um, this might be a great way for you to get in. If you're not, um, I personally didn't care for too much of Final Fantasy 15 um, when I played it back on PlayStation 4, mainly because when I played it, it didn't have any of the DLC. So a lot of the story was kind of unfinished. So I wonder if they've kind of summarized a lot of that into the pocket edition and kind of maybe patched some of those holes up since it did come out a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, curious to see, but interesting, uh, interesting game. I think it really is a feat that they were able to bring that massive game and shrink it down uh, into a playable experience. That's, that's really full on story. So yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you. Um, the final game that I would like to touch on is Moonlighter, which also came to the switch uh, later at the end of last year. Uh, I haven't spent too much time with it, probably about five hours or so, but I was drawn to it uh, by another genre mashup as well that this game had. So this is a top-down dungeon crawler slash shop simulator hybrid. So the synopsis for this one is, during an archaeological excavation, a set of gates were discovered. People quickly realized that these ancient passages led to different realms and dimensions. Rhinoka, a small commercial village, was found near the excavation site, providing brave and reckless adventurers with treasures beyond measure. Moonlighter is an action RPG with roguelite elements that will demonstrate two sides of the coin, revealing everyday routines of will an adventurous shopkeeper that secretly dreams of becoming a hero. So the whole premise of this game, the the gameplay loop that you're going to see, is during the daytime, you're managing a shop uh, where other adventurers are coming through and buying whatever you've got on sale, um, weapons, uh, potions, uh, materials for crafting weapons, etc. And uh, at nighttime, when you close the shop, your character then uh, moonlights, hence the name Moonlighter, as his own adventure. He dreams of being an adventurer himself. You go into these dungeons that are procedurally generated, and it becomes like a top-down um action games similar to like uh old school legend of zelda on uh, nes or link to the past you know those type of dungeons and you're looting and bringing that loot back to your shop to sell to people and then uh this gameplay loop kind of closes with you um upgrading the shop or upgrading the town and upgrading the weapons that you can bring into the actual dungeons there's multiple dungeons to unlock um i'm still in the very first dungeon it's a very difficult game um, I, 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 it's going to take you a little bit to grind to get that loop going. And then you'll start to kind of see and reap the benefits of that loop, um, with the loot that you get. So, uh, I think the game is very promising. 
It's got very, very good pixel art. Some of the best modern pixel art that I've seen um, overall. The uh, the dungeon crawling aspect is fun. It's pretty average, though, as far as the actual experience goes. Um, there's definitely games that do that a lot better than Moonlighter. The part that I was excited about was the fact that there's like a shop simulator aspect of it, too. So during the day, you're you're manning the shop. Um, but the shop experience is very bare bones. Like you pretty much price the stuff at whatever you want. People are going to come in. They're going to have a little face above them that's basically like happy, mediocre or sad. And they'll make the purchase or they won't. And then you can reprice it accordingly. Um, and that's pretty much it. So. I was a little bummed out. There is a lot of loot that you basically can uncover between all the dungeons that you fill out like a book of of all the treasures that you found. So there's like this collection aspect of like, oh, I got to find everything. But the uh, it seems like the gameplay loop is is fine. But I really wish the shop aspect of it was a little bit more fleshed out. Like I was really mm-hmm. expecting. A, do you remember like um, playing back in the day, like Lemonade Tycoon, those kind of games oh, yeah. where mm-hmm. you had like full control over like all the shit that goes in the lemonade and pricing right. and like how much you can buy the ingredients for. And, and there's a, that's, that's the shop simulator aspect I was looking for in moonlighter. And yeah. it's like a very, very surface level version of that, which mm-hmm. is such a bummer because this is a really unique story idea of, of, you know, they kind of position it as uh, you're playing like a, an RPG, right? You go into the shop and the shopkeepers always got potions and uh, antidotes and, whatever uh, weapons you can buy from them. And you're like, you just take it for granted. You buy your stuff and you move on. Uh, But Mm -hmm. like, this is focusing on that guy, like what his adventure is about, like what he does at night, you know? So yeah, it's an, it's an interesting game. Um, It's definitely got some grindy elements to it. um, And and the reward didn't seem like it was enough for me to continue going on um, other than just getting better gear, which makes that gameplay loop easier. So it's it's a hard thing to uh to to find there's a balance with these roguelike games there's so many of them out there now and it's been a genre that i'm like very very intrigued by because i think there's some really cool experiences happening like games like enter the gungeon that we talked about or yeah. um dead cells which we spoke about on the last indie uh chat episode yeah. um some really really amazing experiences when it comes to these roguelike games uh, but there's there's just becoming so many of them and they're trying to differentiate themselves with these different mechanics and people are just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. And I really, really thought that this was going to be a, a really new idea, really cool concept because mm-hmm. the, the dungeon aspect of it, like I said, is very mediocre. It's very like middle of the road. It's It's fine, but it's not great. It doesn't excel there. They really needed that shop aspect to come through and it, and it didn't mm-hmm. for, for me at least. There's plenty yeah. of people online um, that I'm looking at communities and stuff on Reddit that really, really dig this game and they're like hooked. So for some people, this might be your jam. Uh, for me, I wanted more of the shop uh, keeping element and it just wasn't there. So I would recommend that uh, you wait for a sale on this one. Uh, unless you are itching for a new roguelike game, go for it. It's not terrible. Um like I definitely enjoyed the time that I played. I just don't have that urge to go back and continue playing. Like it's yeah. it's something that's sitting in my Switch dock and it's moving slowly to the right as new games get filled in and played. And, mm-hmm. it, and I, I have a feeling it's once it gets to that last page and it disappears into the library, probably not going to go back to it. So yeah, yeah. So that's my take on Moonlighter. So um, 
So that brings our episode uh, of this indie chat to a close. Eric, I'd like to thank you again for joining me today. It was very, very nice yeah. having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. This was this was a, a great discussion piece. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, thank you. And uh, where can folks find you online? Uh, so personal stuff. Um, you can find me on. Uh, I'm really just on Instagram. So if you want to find me on Instagram, you can look me up at in the mind of Eric altogether. Um, so you find me there. Um, I do have uh, my own company. So I have my own web design business. So if you um, want to know some more information about that, you can always email me at hello at from edge to edge.com. So that's what I got. Sweet. Awesome. Thank you, dude. Uh, and once again, if you have any gaming-related questions you'd like to ask me, either tweet at me at IYEpodcast or email me at the email address hello at inyourelementpodcast.com and I'll answer your questions on the next episode. If you enjoy the podcast, consider visiting patreon.com slash inyourelement and supporting at the $1 level or above to receive all future episodes early and ad-free, gain a Patreon-exclusive role in the Inner Element Discord server, where you can hang out and chat with myself and other elementalists, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you consume the show on and leave a review if you enjoy the content. Until next time, see you later, elementalists. Elementalists.